hello and welcome to Farm Buds, compounding professional narratives with student perspectives. I'm Sierra. And I'm Liz. Today we are joined by Cami Shepard, pre-pharmacy advisor at the University of Utah. Hello, Cami. Hello. Thanks for coming on today. I'm very excited about it. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So you know the drill. We're going to drill you with questions. But yes. no, we'll have a good time in, the, in, in you know doing so. So first question, are you ready? I think I am. Okay. Yes. Tell us, how did you find yourself working with pharmacy students? That is a very interesting question because I never imagined working with pharmacy students. And honestly, just like I think the general population, not to make a general statement there, but uh, what I could assume from the general population is that I just thought pharmacists work like Walgreens, like normal. So I really had no clue what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was graduating and looking for jobs. And I actually had a friend that worked here at the College of Pharmacy. And they were like, hey, there's a recruiter job open. And they do a little bit of advising as well, like you should apply. So I applied and then got here and I've really enjoyed it ever since. So do you find that you gel with the pharmacy students? Because we're like sciencey, very type A sort of people, I think. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, yes, I do really like the difference with pharmacy students versus what I was used to. I mean, I graduated in a degree in communication. Mm-hmm. So very different from the sciences. Actually, I did something that I could avoid science and math altogether. Uh, so and this now is she's here. And now I'm here <laughs> telling people you should take science and math classes. So uh, it's really fun time, but I really do enjoy interacting with the students. It's really fun. I actually always joke. I'm like, man, I just wish I could take them all as my best friends. <laughs> but I have to remember that I am an advisor as well. So sometimes it's it's difficult. I get that. So then what educational training do you have? How'd you get here? What'd you do before this? Yeah. So I, like I mentioned, I got a degree in communication with like a emphasis in public relations. And I went to BYU-Idaho. Mm-hmm. So out in the very, very cold tundra of Rexburg, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was looking to get out of there to the little bit less cold area. So Salt Lake was close enough. Um, but really, I, I didn't really know where I wanted to go. I just knew I wanted to do something where I was helping people and doing something where I could move people forward in a process, if whether that be in like a hiring process or recruiting in general. Mm-hmm. And so this really ticked a lot of boxes and it's been really fun. It's also been a job where I've been able to kind of grow a lot for um, like creating different programs or trying different things and uh, seeing how we can recruit in a different way or work through the admissions process in a different way. And it's been really fun that way. What does a day in your professional life look like? It's kind of all over the place. So it really depends on what part of the admission cycle I could be in. But honestly, there's a little bit of everything. So I'll have students meeting with me or I'll be reviewing applications or I am working on updating different spreadsheets to keep track of who I've chatted with and what we're doing or where we're going for recruitment trips. Um, I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> so yeah. it's really it's really fun, though. I will say... The majority of my time at the moment is taken up with admissions, so making sure that the admissions process is moving slu- moving smoothly and people are feeling like they're being listened to and getting their questions answered in a timely manner uh, so that they can come to pharmacy school and they don't have to worry about it. I always tell students, like, my job is to make sure they feel 
confident with the application they're putting forward Mm -hmm. so they know that they have the best opportunity of getting a seat in the class. And I really pride myself on that. That's something I want to make sure that we can continue doing. Right. What are these recruitment trips? Yeah. So a lot of times I'll go on recruitment trips to different universities, Uh um, mostly universities. So I'll go and like set up a table and just kind of the normal, like what you would imagine at a career fair or like a health professions fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we do a little bit more than that. Something we've tried to do is meet more with like pre-health clubs or pre-pharmacy clubs across different states Mm -hmm. and be able to create opportunities where people can get to know us on a more personal level versus like a quickly hand them a card and they never remember. And yeah. Besides maybe like grabbing a piece of swag that like, oh, well, I have this hand sanitizer from the College of Pharmacy, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. But it's being able to cre- create like memories with those people so that mm-hmm. when they're going to apply to different healthcare professions, they can remember back, oh, I really liked that interaction I had with the College of Pharmacy mm-hmm. and maybe I should look into what they have to offer for me. Hmm. Well, that's a really good way to make the University of Utah stand out, it seems. Yeah. Make those personal connections. Yeah. That's something that we talk about constantly is making sure that we can have those personal connections, those Uh, little personal touches as well. Because I know for myself, I really take to when people get to know me or understand where I'm at or want to listen to where I'm at to help me moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really beneficial to kind of imply that to recruitment. Mm -hmm. I will say I would probably be your worst enemy at a career fair because I am known (laughs) as the candy Oh, person. she just wants the swag. Yeah. No, that's I fine. I run around and you, I get all the candy. Oh, no, you would be she, surprised how many people don't grab swag. Okay, but she also does a one-arm swag steal. So it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you, you're not so, making eye contact. No, you're just taking just, and going. Uh-huh. Oh, no, it, it's okay. best to approach when they're talking with someone else. Exactly. Absolutely. She uses me or she'll use someone else and be like, you guys are name. And then they were like. Well, you can always do that with me. You can even just come and ask for swag. Yeah. I just have some in my office just ready to go. But I, I honestly, I'm always shocked when people, especially when they take the time to chat with us and then they don't take any swag. I'm like, you don't want this hand sanitizer? We're, we just got out of a pandemic, did we not? Like, you yeah. saw it all disappear. Don't you want this? Or like a little first aid kit? I'm like, am I the only one that's a clumsy one around this world? Mm-hmm. Don't you want a first aid kit just in case? Yeah. So This is true. Yeah, I love and it. those are the people that you follow. And I think it's best to go counterclockwise as opposed to clockwise because you have all these people going clockwise. So if you go counterclockwise, you get all the good against that, first. you just, True. yeah. And then True. you just like find the windows and go in between the people. Yeah. And that's how I tend to approach those sort of fairs. It's not an approach. I it's like called it. a strategy. She's been I doing like it. it. This, this has been cultivated. All, all of this to say, that is why we try to go to free health clubs and <laughs> free pharmacy clubs to create more personal interactions. But I do love the people that like to grab swag as well. This is true. There's always some fun in interactions. Also, I, from like a personal standpoint, I really love those recruitment fairs just to people watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just really fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun to be in a crowd and seeing what how people react. And um, hopefully when they come to our table, like you can ease their fears a little bit mm-hmm. because they, some of them come up and they, they feel like they're going to get a hard sales pitch. Yeah. And so being, again, being able to focus on like personal touches and all those things, like getting to know these people before just saying, are you going to apply or what? Yeah, is exactly. so much more beneficial and something that I'm I'm very very passionate about making sure that those all of those interactions can be good interactions. Yeah. So then, with that, can we ask you a few questions about just the farm D application cycle? So when when yeah. is the cycle? When is that application cycle? 
Yeah, so it's a rolling admissions cycle, which I think is becoming more common across the United States. But rolling admissions, meaning it starts mid-July and will go all the way to the following June. So it's it's basically an extended school year is what I would explain it. Um, but we have different deadlines throughout that whole process. And I always explain to students that those deadlines are more of like markers on a race versus harsh deadlines you need to follow. So for example, our first deadline is September 1st usually. And if students say are not quite ready to submit on September 1st, that's okay. They can submit a couple days after or even a month after. Like we'll take your application anytime you want to send it in. That September 1st deadline or the other deadlines just kind of coordinate with a little bit more of our um, interview schedules Mm -hmm. sometimes so that you can kind of know, okay, well, it's going to be about a month process total. Like if I submit today, it'll be a month till I know if I've been invited to interview and potentially know if I've been accepted or not. Um, But yeah, so it it really is like a whole year-long process. Hmm. So when we talk about there being like rolling admissions, is there still a benefit to applying early? Yes, I would say yes. So in the past, before we had first year free, applying early would help you solidify the opportunity for scholarships. But also applying early, I mean, there's nobody in the class yet. So if you apply earlier, and since we accept people on that rolling cycle as well, you could potentially know in September that you've been accepted and that you don't need to worry about applying to other schools or figuring out everything else to go to different programs. Like, you know you have somewhere to be the following fall. Um, just to talk a little bit more about first year free for just a second, like that's something that's very new and really exciting. Uh, so it's going to be really incredible for some of these students and something that if you apply earlier on, again, you solidify the fact that you are not going to have to pay tuition for your first year and you know that you're going to have a seat in the class. So it's I think it's still beneficial. It may not be the exact same as it used to be, but definitely something I would recommend for students to do. I usually recommend it apply within the first half of the year if you if you can. Mm-hmm. If for some reason there's something that's holding people back from applying at that time, that's totally fine. I also recommend that they come chat with me so that at least I know when they're going to be applying and I can watch for their application. Again, to help them, like help advocate for them in that process and make sure that they are moving through and we get them where they would like to be in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. I also think it's important for those that are out of state too to take on that early because then they can spend the other time if they've been accepted or invite, invited, accepted, et cetera into the program, then they can focus on where they're going to live. Absolutely. And that's really a scary thing too, especially if you're out of state, is just making sure you have a place to stay and that that's oh, yeah. all set up. Because I couldn't imagine getting accepted and then you're like, oh, it's you know this much time to find a place because it really does take some time to figure out where you're going to live. Oh, absolutely. And some of the things that we've tried to do to kind of help combat that, I mean, yeah. like your class was the first class that we did a Slack channel with so you could actually get to know each other and talk a little bit. And so we've tried to start those Slack channels earlier on now. So right now I'm currently adding people that have been accepted and that have accepted our offer Uh to that Slack channel so they can start talking with one another and potentially finding places to live together Uh, because that's half the battle, right? Like part of it is you're so stressed about and so wrapped up in trying to get into the program Mm -hmm. that once you are, you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many other things I need to get done which is something else that our, like my office still helps with. Mm-hmm. So people can still reach out to us. They can still ask for resources. 
Um, a lot of people from out of state are like, where do I even start looking where to live? And you're like, well, don't go to like Utah County because you're going to be driving several, like for several hours every day trying to get back and forth or don't go way too north or wherever because if people don't understand the geography of Utah, then they, they just need a little bit more recommendation, a little bit more help, which is totally fine and something that we definitely welcome, but a lot of people don't utilize as often as, as we would like to see them do so. Yeah. Yeah. So then, okay, so we, uh, we, we started that application. We know when, when to apply the, the ruling. What about FarmCast? What are, can you outline the components of FarmCast? Because I'm going to tell you what, when I told I had to do FarmCast and then I had to do a secondary a- application just to the U, I was like, okay, so that's, what are all these yeah, things? Yeah. And, and I sat there, I'm like, there are so many things I have to go. And then, so can you just explain that process and, 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 and with that, where to start? Yeah. So FarmCast is kind of a beast and unfortunately something that we cannot get around because it's used for pharmacy schools across the nation. So we just deal with it and any way that we can make it easier for students, we try our best. Mm-hmm. So for example, you you both know, I mean, you have to put in so much of your life into a virtual format that it, it just is really tedious and can take a little bit of time. So I always recommend for people to open up FarmCast as soon as they can, even just to get familiar with the like the web page and understand what they need to be doing. I would even recommend that they could do it the year prior. Mm-hmm. Because if I remember correctly, you can input information. And if you don't submit your application, it rolls over until the next year, mm-hmm. which is really nice for some students. That's interesting. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it for everything because they're, like, if you submit your transcripts and things, I mean, right. you'd have to do it again when you get updated transcripts. But at least you can start putting some things in so that you don't feel like it's such an insurmountable task at the end of, like, right before you're supposed to apply to the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about the components of FarmCast, there's actually a really great webpage on our website called the application process. Mm-hmm. And it goes through step by step what we would like to see you do to make a really solid application. Like I always tell students, it's like a cheat sheet to a really great application. Mm-hmm. Um, highly recommend looking at it for students that are thinking about applying. But it goes through each component of the FarmCast application and what we're looking for here at the University of Utah. So the first thing is you'll input like all of your personal information. And I mean, it goes through in depth, like it almost wants to know every little detail, like what pets you had mm-hmm. <laughs> as a child. Oh, yeah. uh, so take some time to like, get that in there because it's it takes a little bit of time, yeah. right? So it's going to ask you all your personal information, like where have you lived, where, like what's your residency status, your address, your uh, contact information. So we can call you when we have information for you or we can email you. Um, and stuff like that. So then you have, once that section is done, you'll have your, like the meat of your application that's going to be necessary. So like your letters of recommendation, uh, your personal statement, your experiences, and any other like socio, um, what is the, what is the word? Economic maybe? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Questions that you, that we might need to know to help us aid in understanding who those people are and their background and um, why we we would consider them for a program here, you know? Mm-hmm. So to go a little bit more in depth with the letters of recommendation, statement of purpose, and experience section, because these are like the, the major meat of the applications mm-hmm. and the parts that I see students struggle with the most. So letters of recommendation, I see students will ask pharmacists that they hardly know, 
and maybe they've shadowed for just a couple of hours and that really shoots people in the foot. Like we don't want to see those because we want people that are actually going to speak really well about you. Like we, we want you to submit applications with people or submit letters of recommendation with people who know you and also want to see you succeed in pharmacy school. Mm -hmm. I, I wish that there that students would come chat with me beforehand mm-hmm. to talk about those things so that we can avoid those pitfalls because I don't know how many stu- how many applications I've seen where letters of recommendation have come in with a template that's incorrectly filled. Uh, so they'll have the wrong they'll misgender them. They'll have the wrong school. They'll have the wrong healthcare profession listed. Oh, wow. uh, and this is not to say that those are absolutely horrible. I mean, those we all we all are humans. We make mistakes. But if people really know their letters of recommendation people, right, Mm -hmm. they have a much better chance of not getting one of those types of letters. Right. And I think a lot of it is, and I sort of went through this when I was asking for professors to write letter of recommendations for me. It's like, how do I try to read this person in a way that it's like, because anyone can write a letter. It's like, I need to find someone that can write me a strong letter. Yes. So how do I work it into the conversation that, it should be something good. <laughs> yeah, right? actually, that's a great question. Something I talk with students a lot is on our website in the application process, it has um, the letters of recommendation section that goes in depth of what we want to see from your application or what we want to see from letters of recommendation. And you can pretty much take it verbatim and go to these letters, like these people and say, hey, would you mind writing me a letter speaking to my professional accountability, maturity, and demeanor? And hand it over. And say, would you, like, I'm applying for pharmacy school. This is what they expect in these letters. Would you mind talking to these points about who I am? Mm -hmm. And I think that's completely appropriate. Mm -hmm. And also as someone that has been asked to write letters of recommendation here and there, it helps so much. Like it takes off so much pressure knowing what exactly those students are looking for. Mm -hmm. And it just makes the whole process a lot smoother. So highly recommend that even moving forward when you're asking for letters of recommendation in the future. Like it's always okay to give them a prompt um, rather than just, letting them loose because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, that's, imp- that's you know, it's it's very interesting too because I do think that a lot of people trying to get, you know, healthcare professionals, especially when they're doing med school applications, pharmacy school applications, oh, yeah. et cetera. And, and, and realistically, that it it's nice, but it's also like, do they really, exactly what you said, do they know you? We don't just need something in the field to write you a letter of recommendation in the field. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that are in pharmacy school now that have never been in a pharmacy. Yeah. There are a lot of people that we've already interviewed and talked with. They've never thought pharmacy was for them. And then they just applied and did it because it met other things, patient yeah. care, patient interaction, you know, research initiatives, et cetera. And so it you don't have to have someone from the field to write you a letter of recommendation. Absolutely. I tell students all the time too, I'm like, well, you could even ask your McDonald's supervisor as long yeah. as they know you well and have seen you in, a, in some sort of professional setting. Now, some would maybe dare to say McDonald's is not as professional of a setting as others, but they still have seen you work and see the work ethic you have and mm-hmm. who you are as a person and how you interact with other individuals. And that will be so much more beneficial to us mm-hmm. than asking someone that's only known you for a very, very short period of time. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of it is, I think professionals just, um, they feel bad saying no, even oh, though yeah. they know that it will probably be a difficult letter for them to write. It's like, I can't say no to this person. Yeah. So I think the um, person that's asking for the letters of rec really has to take the onus of that on themselves. Totally. Real, real quick before yeah. we move on, I think too it's it. This adds just a little bit more to it. Is 
really get to know your professors or really get to know these people that you want to ask for letters of recommendation from. So rather than just springing it on them and thinking that you have a great relationship, like have that in mind that you're cultivating this relationship to help prepare for other things in the future. Now, that might be kind of self-serving kind of attitude or like you give me something, I give you something type of attitude. But at the same time, these people like professors and supervisors, they understand that you're going to move forward and they're going to understand that you're going to need things like this from them in the future. Mm -hmm. So actually cultivating those relationships will fare much better for you Mm -hmm. than just letting them go and seeing if you did actually accomplish what you wanted to. And I think a lot of that just goes back to accountability and how do I act like a professional in my everyday life. For sure. So I hope that students realize that by doing those sorts of things and by showing up, they are becoming the pharmacy student that they could be. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I will say when I was picking my letters of rec, it took a minute because it's almost like you don't want to pick someone who's your BFF, but you also want to pick someone who, um, you know, that for me, it was someone who I am, I also admired sure, and, 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 and like really respected. Someone like a mentor. Yeah, yeah. To that degree. And even if they didn't want, even if they didn't view that me as me, cause I did pick one and, uh, for my letter of rec and, I just was like, oh, please, I really like you and you just need to do it for me. And this individual was very busy, but um, I'm like, but if you're busy, don't, you know, don't worry about it. But they wrote me a letter and I wonder, I've always asked to read them, but you can't read them. But I wanted to read that. Uh, but long story short, yeah, I just I just think that it's also important to see if, from someone that you admire to see how they kind of view things, you know, for sure from you too. So but to each their own. Uh, the only other question I had with regarding to FarmCast. Now, let's say I remember it being kind of pricey to submit yeah. that application. What if students couldn't afford that cost? And that was one of the re- things that was holding them back from submitting their application. That is, are there resources for yes, that? Yes, there are resources. So they can reach out to FarmCast themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's waivers available through FarmCast. Mm-hmm. They also can reach out to me. And usually I purchase at least partial waivers mm-hmm. for the application. Um, it takes off... Not the whole cost, but a, a, a good chunk, mm-hmm. which makes it a little bit more affordable, right. especially as you are applying to multiple schools. Right. Because, I mean, we're That's not going to be naive. We understand that people are applying to at least a couple of schools right. uh, because they need to have their first plan, their backup plan. That's just really smart to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and that gets expensive really, mm-hmm. really fast. So any way that we can help take that kind of price tag down a little bit is what we would love to do. And also, again, it helps – in general, because I mean, we want to make sure that they know that we really care about that. Like we care about them worrying about that and wanting to be able to apply to our program without that type of stress. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say the thing that really got me when I was applying was in the experience section where you have to like estimate the amount of time you spent doing these things. I was like, I have had this part-time job for two and a half years. Yeah. So if I say that I maybe kind of sort of like about did like eight hours a week or something, and then I times that by 107 weeks, and that math was a little bit more involved than I was expecting. But no, that, I eventually that totally figured happens. it out. Yeah, that totally happens. <laughs> and I, I wish that there was a way around that <laughs> because we – don't necessarily look at those numbers as closely. I mean, we'll look at them as if they're really low. We're like, oh, so this person is just getting started. But if they're really high, we're like, oh, this person is established. So, Mm -hmm. um, but it's not like a a super big 
thing that we look at, but it is something that on the applicant side is it's quite the task. So commend you for doing that math. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked at old pay stubs and I was like, so if I <laughs> average, it was a really good estimate. Well, good job. I will say too, I'll, the application itself is all based on an honor system. Mm-hmm. So this is not to say to take advantage of that because obviously we don't want that. And it'll come out in other parts of your application or other parts of the interview process that that wasn't as truthful. But I will say giving it your best guess, like your best educated guess on those things is totally okay rather than exact to the dot numbers. So I think exactly what you did was was perfectly fine. You probably even did a little bit more. Everyone is so worried about, for instance, everyone was so worried about like um, volunteer hours. And it's like, you know what? People can tell if you actually volunteered those hours because if you're not the first to at, to step up and offer to do, I don't know, mm, interview paneling. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> interview paneling. No, I'm just, I you know what I mean. Pam- but we love it. I live we for love the it. Panels. But we love it. But that's what I'm saying is you can just tell if someone's willing to give their time or Absolutely. not. And that's really what it's about. It's not how many hours you did. It's are you willing to sacrifice your own time to help others? Absolutely. And this and the and for pharmacy, you do a lot of that. It's yeah. and, I mean in anything really, but you do have to do, have. There's a lot of self sacrifice, and that's really what that question and that that whole time is is really looking for. Is oh for sure. I <clears throat> I think you nailed that right on the head. Like it it's not. About the hours. I yeah. mean, you could work two hours or you could work thousands, but it's – were you willing to do it? Like, right. were, did you learn anything from it? Are right. you – was it beneficial to you as a person and who you want to be as a healthcare professional? But the thing I see most is that they get so stressed about what they should and shouldn't put on their application. And I think it all boils down to what you were saying. I mean, if it, if it was befe- beneficial to you as an individual mm-hmm. and it helped make you a better person mm-hmm. – um, or helped you become more empathetic or give you opportunities to lead or to continue to volunteer, then it's beneficial to us and it should be on your application, which does sometimes lengthen the amount of things you're putting on your application. But overall, I think it's it's worth it. Yeah, agreed. I guess we will move on to what application tips do you have for students applying this cycle? Oh, man. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. Uh, my emails are open. My calendar is not as open, but we will find a spot for you. Anything we can do to help you is what we want to do. So I, again, like even today is a great example. So I have this and then I have like four meetings with students later on today, which is great. And they're just short meetings. They don't need to be very long. That's something else that I think people need to realize that you don't need to dedicate a full hour to meeting with me and going in depth about your entire life. If you want to, I'm happy to sit there and listen with you and talk with you. But if you only need like 10 minutes, mm-hmm. let's talk for 10 minutes. Let's make sure you have your questions answered so that you can feel, again, more confident about putting in that application. Um, something else is going through that application process page. Uh, it talks about the letters of recommendation, the experiences we're looking for. Um, it talks about the statement of purpose, which the statement is also really important. You need to have answered the three questions we have on our website, which are basically, they all kind of correlate together, but it's like, why did you choose pharmacy? Mm -hmm. And what goals do you have as you move on to become a pharmacist? And what kind of are you bringing to the table to prepare to be a pharmacist? Mm -hmm. And all of that needs to be in your statement of purpose. Mm -hmm. But you're also welcome to bring that to me and I'm happy to read it and make sure that those questions are answered or whatever else you need, again, to make sure that you feel really great about submitting an application. So I had 16 drafts. 
<laughs> did you really? No. I did. I, I, used like, to I, I went. So the U, obviously, I got my undergrad here at the U, but there's uh, there's the writing center, and they oh. have PhD grad students that work, have to work there. And I resource. worked with three PhD grad students that were in the writing center, and they circled. They cycled my paper 16 wow. times, and oh it was awesome. But I had three different eyes, my own eyes, and then I had two of my friends read it. And But those – those I commend the Writing Center because I'm telling you what, those students, they really helped me out. They yeah. were like, this doesn't make sense. You need to take this out. The fluidity is wrong. And I would get those back, and I'm like, <gasps> red tape all over. It was red, yeah. red, red everywhere. But you know what? They, <laughs> oh, psych- they really did help my kind of tighten it up because there is a yeah. word limit. There's a word limit. Yep. yep. Well, it's actually, it's 4,500 characters, which yeah, is characters really, really, really small. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Everything counts. It's like an, it's like a page and a half. Yes. Max. Yes. So it's really not that much and you're no. supposed to have so much in there. They're supposed to have so, so much in there. So being able to, that's something else. Like you can cut some of the fluff, like be direct, yeah. really put the things that are most important mm-hmm. and ask lots of people to read it. Also, I would say that a lot of colleges and universities, yeah, they, do. they have writing centers. They do. Utilize They have them. resources like that. So please use them. And also, you can always give them the questions and say, does this answer these questions? Exactly. And that's something I think is so, so important. And you definitely should take advantage of that. I had no idea it existed. And I was super desperate. I'm like, I need eyes. And then I found <laughs> it. And then I'm like, oh, these people are incredible. I'm la- I missed out. They were awesome, though. It was yeah, really good time. That's really but good. 16 drafts. That is insane. Uh, I'll be honest and say that I wrote mine in one evening. Yeah. I like, I ruminated on it for like a few months and I wrote it in my head three or four times. And I was like, I just got to take pen to paper. But it was really like um, finger to keyboard, right? Because yeah, they're online. Of course. So I was course. taking finger to keyboard, and I was like, "We're just going to do this." But that just goes to show you, it and doesn't. You don't have to do sixteen drafts. Drafts. You can do somewhere in the middle. You could do keyboard to, you know. Yeah, as long as the information and, is there and yeah. you answer the questions, you're good to go. I think there's definitely different strategies, but I will say that I probably would have benefited from a writing center. So I think it's a great idea to start early. For sure, For start sure. early and then. Find those resources because they, I mean, they're just, they're there. Like you just need to find them. So. Agreed. Um, Okay. So other than application tips, we've talked about that. Do you feel that the admissions requirements for pharmacy school have changed for the better? Now there's been some serious admissions changes. Mm -hmm. Your girl went through those. This girl went through this. Sierra and I both. I just hit the tail end of the PCAT myself. I'm so sorry. Well, and the PCAT was, it was not very helpful. So actually our program, the University of Utah went through everything that like we did a bunch of research and we went through everything that we would find as a potential indicator of how you would do in the program. Mm -hmm. And that would lead to success in the program Mm -hmm. um, and graduation eventually. Right. And so we looked at all the little, like all of our requirements Mm -hmm. and we were like, okay, what is the best indicator? And the PCAT did not even chart on that at all like it was like zero percent it did nothing for our like for our measure of success for you and so we realized I mean we got rid of the PCAT last year officially Uh, before that either had to have a bachelor's degree or you could come in without a bachelor's degree and take the PCAT and then before that they had required the PCAT for everybody Um, as far as other changes we've made We've done a lot to reword a lot of our things on our website so that we can actually move people through our process a little bit smoother Um, and so that the communication that students are getting is a lot more clear. So again, that application process page is actually like the, the birth of that page came from us being like, okay, we really need to go through all these things and all these steps and 
see what we can do to make it more clear so that the questions that we're getting are not, I'm so terrified to apply. Can you please look through all of these things and see if I'm even worth it? It's more of, okay, this is what I have. Do you think we're good to go? Mm-hmm. Which is a lot better of a question and a lot less rooted in fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might yeah. still be some stress and fear involved because applying to something like this is is stressful in nature, uh, but it does help quite a bit because I I've noticed the questions that I get from students now are a lot more of like, okay, I've laid it out. This is what I have to show to the College of Pharmacy. Do you think this is good? Versus I have no clue what you guys want and I have no clue what we could do to fix this. And I'm terrified that I'm never going to be accepted. That was me. Yeah. (laughs) I think I almost cried when you, when you called me, I was like, I don't want to take this call, but I know I need to take this call. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I was very, it was very overwhelming. It wasn't, it was just the overall process. I felt like, do I have what I need? Is my application good enough? Did I do this? You know, and it's, it was, it was a lot of pressure. For sure. There's a lot of pressure. Anything we can do to lessen that too. I mean, it's still going to like, there's still going to be stressful. It's still going to be a lot of pressure. Yeah. But anything we do to lessen that mm-hmm. is something that we try to be very innovative in. Yeah. Try to change things up. Yeah. I will say that when I got called that I got accepted into the program, I was actually in my organic chemistry class. And I was like, <laughs> this must be some sort of like spam call. Because I had been getting all these calls yep. about my car's extended was warranty. Was it from me? Yes. yes. And, and it so was it your was, phone it was, number. It was my phone number yes. from Idaho. Yes. Yeah. So you're all like, uh, uh, yeah. what business does Idaho have calling me? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Idaho mm-hmm. wanted to hear about my extended warranty. So I turned <laughs> to my lab partner and I was like, it's it's the extended warranty. And then I found out that it was Cammie. <laughs> yeah. And then you called me back. Yeah. So yeah. I called you after again at yeah. chemistry. Yeah, I always have to warn people. Now I, I now I do actually warn people at the interview day. I'm like, if you see a 208 number, it's it's just me. It's no. just me. Oh, man, that call was stressful. I looked at that. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're like, this has got to be something. I, yeah, it was crazy. Um, okay. And then I think another thing, too, that I just wanted to ask about in terms of um, – um, I don't even know what we were talking about at that point, the application – and thus, just I guess, oh, the for changes. changing of the changes. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of a lot of, I mean, for me at least, my decision to get a bachelor's was solely because I didn't want to take the PCAT, right? That sure. was my thing. But do you feel, and for those listening, I think a lot of people are very, they are indifferent about those that enter the program with a bachelor's or some sort of formal degree, and then the prereqs in terms of their ability to keep up with the program, the rigor of the program. The program is less rigorous because they didn't experience a four year, you know institutionalized education. Do you think that that is something that is brought, is that brought up in conversation by applicants or people of interest? One of the main questions I get a lot is, should I just finish my degree or should I come into the program? And the, the answer is kind of, it's personalized. I mean, each of these students, some of them have reasons why they would like to finish a bachelor's degree. And some of them I'm like, no, I just want to get through school as quickly as I can. Mm-hmm. And so obviously not fin- finishing a bachelor's degree and coming into the program would be the way to finish as fast as they can. Um, so I do, I really do leave it up to the students to decide what they feel is best. But right now it's about a 50-50 split mm-hmm. usually okay. of students that come in with a bachelor's degree and come in without. Um, besides that, I I personally don't see the biggest, like, it doesn't seem like there's a huge divide. There are a couple of courses that might be easier for people, but we also accept people from any background. So you don't need to be like a chemistry major or a biology major. You could come from theater or 
music and there's so many other things like history even. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you've completed the prereqs, you're welcome to come into the program. Uh, prereqs in general education requirements. But yeah, it's it's very interesting and those people fare just as well as excellent the yeah. people that have focused on science their whole life, you know? Yeah. So it just depends. We have a criminal justice major in our class. Really? Just, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I probably knew that because I always like looking to see what your all of your degrees are because I look at all of your applications because I re- review them mm-hmm. myself for just making sure all the requirements are there. Mm-hmm. And then I send it on to the admissions committee for them to like actually go through the meat of the application. Mm-hmm. But I always like looking through like the the different degrees or um, sometimes I – well, I used to read personal statements in the applications, but I get way too emotionally invested. Uh, and so I have to step back <laughs> because yeah. I just want all of, all of the people that apply to make yeah. it through. So, well, I'll first. let you read mine now that I'm here. <laughs> okay. I could actually <laughs> One just day, open, I could just open it up. I, I still, I still have all of your information. I could just go and look through Mine's everything. pretty good. Yeah. Yours is pretty good, Sierra. I felt really good about about it at the time. Good I don't face. know if it's still good. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll move on to what advice can you give to someone interested in pursuing a career in pharmacy? Yeah. Get some experience. Uh, oftentimes, and also get a variety of experience if you can. So whether that's shadowing or calling calling pharmacies and being like, hey, can I just pick your brain mm-hmm. for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually count that as shadowing nowadays because of the pandemic. Since it was so difficult for students to get into pharmacies and to shadow that way, uh, we decided that it would be beneficial to even just open up like this interview type process. So if students even want to just reach out to some of our faculty members or someone at the hospital and say, hey, do you have 15, 20 minutes to just let me pick your brain about what you do as a pharmacist? Uh, That can be so beneficial. And also I would say students that are not liking a certain type of pharmacy because that's all you know, go look at other types of pharmacy as well. So I highly recommend people just – I know experience is hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you say like, oh, just go get experience. Right. <laughs> uh, but even with this process of just like being able to interview pharmacists, I think it's made it a lot more accessible. And what I've noticed about pharmacists as well is that they're very willing to talk about what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very willing to – express like what they like about their job or what they sometimes what they don't like um and that's really beneficial to students thinking about pharmacy so that they have a good idea of what they're getting into and they're not blindsided by things as they come through the program Um, but also in the program i mean you're going to go on different types of rotations and different experiences and you're going to try out different types of pharmacy there too so there's a lot of places to get experience and you shouldn't be super afraid to come into the program without like with very little experience i had zero yeah and i had absolutely none some of the the questions that during the interview they were like what what did you do before this i'm like well not pharmacy (laughs) nothing related to it i was a restaurant server a bartender traveled the world a parent did everything but pharmacy yeah and that's very common blockbuster days oh and i did talk about blockbuster you did i did i love that that in my when in my question they're like what was your most favorite job and i'm like working at blockbuster they were like, why? And I'm like, because you get to just watch movies. Then you get to provide insight. Then you get to distribute said movies to when you're, when you're, you so know, you're the pharmacist patron. of movies. That's what exactly what I said. It's exactly what I, how <laughs> I, I related that. it. I, I said, I'm that. dispensing VHS videos that then turned to Blu-ray. And I watched the transformation of this. I had you know, millions of different movie styles and types and titles. And it was awesome. 
That is and great. people came up and asked for recommendations. I'm like, well, let me just tell you. Also, th- that's just like a great example of how you can apply any of your experiences yeah. to being able to be a good pharmacist mm-hmm. because you had this, like, you had this skill set, mm-hmm. and now you're just applying it to a different information set. Exactly. So I love that. Like, exactly. And that's very important to recognize. It was, yeah. It was Dr. Orlando. She was one of. Them. Oh, I and love she looked, that. She's, like, she's so she's wonderful. Like, did you just compare pharmacy to Blockbuster? And I was like, I absolutely did. I love that. Yeah. Drops mic. But I had not that, but that was who I was. And I was very honest. I'm like, I'm sorry. The only time I was ever in a hospital or ever needing to get something was when I was sick. That was the only time my engagements were very minimal. So, but look where we are now. And I think that's more common than, than people care to believe. Yeah. So if you, cause that's again, again, if you don't have the time to go out and get these experiences, it just recognize, like do your research, like see what pharmacy is about. Yeah. And just as long as you know that you feel good about this and that's what you want to do, yeah, that's great. Like yeah. we just need to see that you have the skill set or like the soft skills to be able yeah. to apply to the more difficult skills that come from like recognizing different types of medications and working through yeah. what it takes to manage people's care and whatever else you need to do. Because right. we'll teach you how to do that. Exactly. Yeah. That's, like, that's the less important stuff. Exactly. The more yeah. important stuff is finding the right person. Yeah. Exactly. I don't, I don't know how many times I've chatted with students that are so terrified to come interview uh, because they think they're going to be drilled on questions about pharmacy. And that's not the case, right? Like if we if we wanted you to answer all those questions as a pharmacist would, you wouldn't be applying to pharmacy school. Yeah. You'd be applying for something past pharmacy school, exactly. right? And so I think people recognizing that too, like anything can be applied to you having great skills as mm-hmm. long as you know where those skills came from. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, Sierra, are you ready? So ready. It's now time for the budding question. Okay, Cammie. Yeah, I loved that. budding question. <laughs> Our budding question today is, what makes the University of Utah unique compared to other colleges of pharmacy? I would say mostly it's how small we are. Um, we like to keep the class sizes small so that you can really get to know your faculty and the staff. And it really just makes a really cool environment uh, to be able to get to know one another and kind of cheer each other on. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've, when I've watched students just like support each other, it just warms my heart. Mm-hmm. But it's also because you guys actually get to know each other. Like you care about each other more than just that's a classmate. Like you're a part of each other's lives. And that's really, really neat to me. And I don't think that would be as possible with a much larger cohort and a much larger uh, college at the same time. This is a true statement. Everybody does know everybody. Maybe a little bit too much about too everybody. Much. <laughs> I know. To be like, hi, Liz. I'm like, oh, I don't know what that is. I don't remember. I'll remember. I'm really bad with names sometimes, so. That's okay. Like, you guys all know I yo-yo. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yo-yo. I remember orientation. Yo-yo. We're all like, yo-yo. Like, as in the thing with the thing and the finger and yeah. you walk the dog. Yeah. And Obsessed. Yo-yo. You can always come try my yo-yo. Yeah. It's a fun thing. Also, it'll get you addicted, and then you're going to just buy a bunch of yo-yos on Amazon. I will say that this year, my New Year's resolution was to do better at remembering people's names. I mean, with the small small cohort, small college in general, sorry, Sierra, you're going to run into people a little bit more often than once. Yes, mm-hmm. I have had to start remembering people's names. This is true. Well, mm-hmm. good for you. No, I would agree, though. I do like the small the small class size. What drew me here personally was when I had con- when I had 
just in our, like the interview process, right? So after all that application was done, we were asked to interview. I think I felt that you, I felt that everyone at the U was less robotic and a lot more humanistic because I went through those, I went through a couple of interviews and they were like, and, and they brought on all these people from different things. This is the research. This is this, this is that. Now, granted it was on zoom, right. From the pandemic, but it just didn't feel like they were excited for us to be there. Like, whoop, another, another cohort. Whoop, here comes another round of applicants. Whoop, you know, and I'm just like, here we are so stoked to be at this milestone in our life. And then we're looking at these faces and they're just like, okay, well, this is what I do. And this is what, and it's like, you know what I mean? Like, this is really, for some, some people, they, they're like, nope, I already knew I was going to go to pharmacy school. For some people like me, I never imagined in in like a million years that I would be in a grad school. I mean, I know that I'm capable, but I just never got there. My family has never been there. My, my, my sisters have not done that. So it's like, it's really, it was really a milestone. And so when I was looking at the you and and you and everyone was like, just so happy and we were bantering back and forth and it felt very authentic and genuine. I was like, yeah, this is where I got to go. I love that. Yeah. Cause that, that deal. is something that we like, we want to really foster was. environments like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, you're going to be here for four years. Yeah. So if you're not enjoying your time here, then what are you doing? And, you it was, know? and I also noticed that with the applicants that were invited to interview too, that none of them felt, felt really standoffish. None yeah. of them, when we were in the cohort mixing um, and we were all in the room, none of them felt like I'm better than you or standoffish. They were all friendly too. So it's like, there's obviously this commonality, this kind of thing that you, that it is just being a human. Yeah. And, then, and that's really the, that you was really the common theme. That. Yeah. yeah. And, and I could tell, and that's what, that's what made me come to the you. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say my yo-yo skills. Well, that's yeah. Uh, I was very shook. Right. Yeah, I was shook. <laughs> Want to see the dog? That factored yeah. in for me. Okay, yeah. good. Whew. Thank <laughs> goodness. I'll I'll keep practicing then. It was probably a slightly less factor than it was like <laughs> feeling the connection with the faculty members that I felt like I got on my interview day. But definitely, yeah. Cami's yo-yo skills yeah. were okay, on the good. list. Good. That was more orientation. I couldn't see yo-yo that's skills true. on Zoom. That is true. Although I did wear sweatpants. I mean that's fair. I mean Zoom Zoom times you you were allowed to as long as you didn't stand up. I wore a blazer, a really nice shirt, but I had sweatpants on the bottom. I remember your interview. I remember you. Do you? Yeah, I remember. I actually remember both of you. The Zoom interviews were very because I saw each of your faces uh-huh. the whole time, right? Uh-huh. Like, and anytime you guys got bumped out of a breakout room on accident, <laughs> it was me, right? We're like, hey, <laughs> I know. Let's back. get you back in there. Yeah, it's gonna be did. okay. Deep breaths, like, everybody. I don't know. This I'm was like, just a halftime. Yeah, this yeah. Was just it's a like, little sidebar to get you yeah. pumped up. Yep, oh, there she's back. I'm yep. like, hey, where yeah. do I go? Yeah. yeah. It was fun. So I, so I still feel like I get to know a lot of the students. I mean, I meet with a lot of these students before they come to interview, which I really, really enjoy. Like, because I love having those personal connections. Yeah. And also, personally, I really feel strongly that being recognized yeah. is, it just feels nice. It does. Right? So if someone can remember your name or remember, at least remember your face, mm-hmm. it's just really nice. Like, I always, when people remember me, I'm like, Really? You do? And so I, I want to make sure that people feel the same way, right? Yeah. And so that's something that I've tried to really bring to this role, which I think they had it beforehand too. But being able to make sure that we maintain that mm-hmm. so that people felt seen here. People feel like they want to be here because they're going to be valued here. Yeah, find a place that makes you feel seen. I really like that. Yeah, I, I tell students as well I'm, when they're stressed about interviews, right? I'm like, okay, you know, this is an interview for us to – 
see how you will fit with our program. But we also want you to kind of interview us back, right? Like you need to know that this is a good place for you. Like you're interviewing us to see if we're a good fit. And I mean, that also keeps us on our toes, making sure that we're being innovative and we're listening and we're being progressive in the ways that we do things or how we interact with people or just showing more empathy, which also our program, I think, really focuses so much on the empathy aspect. Yes. It's so important. And that, I mean, healthcare professionals just need empathy in general, but they that's one thing that will make it or break it for students here is if they mm-hmm. cannot cultivate empathy, that's not what we stand for. Mm-hmm. And honestly, being in an environment like that, how could you not cultivate more empathy in your lives, right? right? When other people are being so empathetic right. to you. Right. So yeah, I always tell people though, make sure you feel like this is a good fit. Make sure you vibe with us. We'll vibe with you. We'll move forward together. And if you and if you don't like yo-yoing or stealing snacks, Ooh. free swag from career fairs. Yeah. Then well, this is not the, the place. No, there I'm just there might still be a chance. We, sometimes with yo-yos it just takes a little bit of time. Mine always gets tangled. I'll teach you. I'll teach you how. Yeah, I need so. Yeah, we can work on it. I do need help in the OEO department. They always looked really cool. But we could, I never really we get could it. potentially make it an elective. Wouldn't that be kind of fun? That would be fun, actually. I don't We're know always how we'd looking for new to. electives. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how we'd relate it to pharmacy, but if you guys can figure out the pharmacy side... I will teach you. It'll just be the one trick over and over again. Yo-yo, dot, 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 dieting. (laughs) There we go. Yo-yo, reflective listening. (laughs) There we go. Something. Yo-yo dieting, fentermine, and how not to use it. Hey. That could work. That could work. Well, Now we're going to take a quick yo-yo break. Yeah. (laughs) Back to the fentermine. Yes. (laughs) That sounds (laughs) great to me. Well, you know. Yeah, I'm trying. But, well, Miss Cammy, thank you so much for coming in and uh, talking with us about the application cycle and, you know, the do's and the do nots. And we appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you guys, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This is the Farm Buds signing off. Until next time. Stay curious. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Farm Buds podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the University of Utah. Farm Buds is not responsible for and does not verify the accuracy of any information contained in this series. This podcast does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. The primary purpose of this show is to educate, inform, and allow those in the pharmacy profession to tell their stories. Mm-hmm.